I ask you tonight to turn to the 73rd Psalm. Psalm number 73. We shall be reading this entire psalm. It is full of some wonderfully encouraging and challenging truths that we want to look at tonight. Psalm number 73. Henry David Thoreau once said, It is not what you look at that matters. It is what you see. Man and his wife are sitting at a sitting in a car and they're having their windshield washed. And the guy finishes up washing the windshield. And uh, the customer, when he gets finished, says, uh, that windshield is just as dirty as it was before you touched it. You need to wash it again. The guy takes out his rags, pray, he washes the windshield again. And again, the man inside the car is still not satisfied. My goodness, can't you even clean a windshield? So finally the attendant does it a third time. And before the man can speak, his wife reaches over, pulls off her husband's glasses, wipes them, and gives them back to him. And he says, now that's better. <laughs> we tend to see the world through dirty glasses. Our vision is distorted by prejudice and selfishness and sin. Sometimes it's like we're looking through the wrong end of a telescope. And just as we periodically need physical eye exams, so often we need our spiritual vision corrected. Our Lord says in John 7, 24, Do not judge according to appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. What he's saying is you have to look beyond the way things seem. You've got to look beyond what you think you see. And see things as they really are. The only way you can do that is you've got to have God's perspective. You've got to be able to look with God's vision at yourself and at the world. How do we do that? Well, a good place to begin is in Psalm number 73. Would you please stand with me in honor of our Lord and his precious word? Hear what the Lord, what the Spirit says to the church. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. They say, how does God know? 
And is there knowledge of the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood therein. Surely you set them in slippery places, you cast them down to destruction. Oh, how are they brought to how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors, as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that, that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our Savior and our King, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we speak, ask you to speak tonight that we may behold wonderful things in your law. I pray that you would break our stubborn hearts, that you may heal them. I pray that you would show us our sin, but also show us your grace. Give us that grace that we may not only read that we may not only understand, but we would obey. We trust your spirit to open up your word as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. An older gentleman is driving down the road, and he gets a phone call from his wife. And uh, his wife says, Henry, you need to be careful. The news just showed on just showed on the news that uh, there is some idiot that is draw, driving down the wrong side of the road on the interstate. And Henry says, "Lucy, you won't believe it. Everybody is driving down the wrong side of the road on the interstate." To some degree, we're all like Henry, aren't we? We are so blind to what's really happening. The question is how to correct our vision. And this psalm gives us the guidance we need. Um, the author is Asaph. He's a man of many talents. He's um, King David's appointee to lead in worship. Uh, he's responsible for keeping all eyes on the Lord in the tabernacle. He's also known as David's private prophet. Um, he's not only a musician, he's a composer. In many ways, he's the ideal worship leader. The reason why I tell you that is because when you read this, you could get the wrong message. In no way is Asaph trying to cast doubt in your mind. In no way is he trying to discourage us. 
What he's doing is everything he's saying is meant to give us a clearer vision of God. To begin with, he warns us in verse 1 through 14, do not be deceived by the success of the wicked. One of the most frustrating things is life, in life is seeing how bad people have it so good. Pornographers who are billionaires, atheists who live long, healthy lives, guilty criminals who walk free because of crooked lawyers. It's, it's enough to discourage anybody. But it is a reality that we have to face. We can't deny it. Asaph addresses the problem. He starts out in verse 1 with a truth that we've all been taught in Sunday school. Truly God is good. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. What he's saying is God is good to everybody. He's especially good to his people. And he, his goodness is most clearly seen by those who, who are pure in heart. That's not the way things always seem, is it? Verse 2 and 3 says, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I am wandering around my house in the dark at night, foolishly not turning on the light, there are two things I stumble over. First of all, something that I can't see. And second of all, something that ought not be there. <laughs> that uh, black piece of carpet that's rolled up there, black piece of carpet, I don't see it. I stumble over it. Those shoes that are supposed to be put away, they're sitting right there in the middle of the floor. Well, you stumble over what you cannot see. You stumble over what should not be. Bad people ought not to have it so easy. Asaph reminds us they have enough and more, usually much more. They don't die in agony. They die at a ripe old age in their sleep. They're arrogant. They're violent. They take what they want and nobody stops them. They escape the hardships of many believers. And in fact, verse 11, he says, they turn up their nose at God. This, how does God know is their knowledge in the most high? What they're saying is God doesn't notice. God doesn't care. God can't stop me. And the more you see the world this way, the more you wonder, as Asaph did. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've tried my best to do right. I've tried to faithfully obey God. And what do I get? I get more affliction. I get more trouble. I get more pain. I get more problems. What good does it do? You have to face up to how it looks before you can correct your vision. The true story. A father and his teenage son go in for the son to get his license for the first time. And the young man has just gotten glasses. He doesn't like them, though. And his father reminds him, he said, listen, when you go in there, you need to wear your glasses while you're taking the test. You need to wear your glasses when they take your picture. And he turns to his father and he says, Dad, how many times do I have to tell you? I can see fine without these glasses. 
He turns around and walks into the women's restroom. <laughs> That's why we need glasses. That's why we need to go to the eye doctor. He gives you tests to determine your, how healthy your vision is. Asaph is the eye doctor. He holds up the chart to show you where your vision is fuzzy. To realize that the success of the wicked is a deception. I've never been to New York City, but I've been told by many who have been there that when you walk through the middle of that city, you know why they call them skyscrapers. They literally seem to reach the sky. But I'm also told that when you pass over that same area in an airplane, those skyscrapers look like Lego blocks. It's all according to your perspective. It's all according to how you see it. When you look around and you see the prosperity of the wicked, Asaph says, you have to realize there's something wrong with my vision. I'm not seeing this clearly. And if you're going to see it clearly, verse 15 through 22 says that you have to ask God to open your eyes. A few months ago, we got a wireless doorbell installed. It's one of those with the camera on it that shows you if somebody's there. You can actually talk to somebody over the camera. But you not only can see what's going on at your house, your neighbors can share with you what's going on at their house. And I'll never forget one night, um, I'm looking at one of those pictures, and it gives me the creep so bad, I called Jennifer and I said, look, you believe the size of that snake crawling up that tree? And she busts out laughing. She said, Mike, that's not a snake. That's a slug climbing up the side of the camera lens. <laughs> my wife was happy to open my blinded eyes. <laughs> you can't correct your vision on your own. Asaph sees, says you need God's help. When I thought how to understand this was too painful for me until... Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Back in my teen years, my high school choir took a trip to Cape Canaveral, Florida. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they have a big building where they construct the rockets and the space shuttle. And as we're driving along the road, we can see it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't look very impressive. That doesn't look really like what I expected it to look like. But then we start to get closer. We get closer. And as we get closer, that building gets bigger. The farther away we were, the smaller it looked. The closer we got, the clearer we saw it. Asaph says the closer you get to God, the clearer you see the big picture. You see clearly the future of the wicked. They're walking on heights. But they're walking on a slippery slope. At any point, they can lose their, their footing. At any point, that peace that they have can fail them. In a moment, they can lose it all. This earth is as close as they will ever get to heaven. If you could see these people the way God sees them, you would not envy. You would pity them. And more than that, 
you would repent. Thus my heart was grieved. And I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. How could I have been so blind? Well, that is why we need God to open our eyes. It's a beautiful story from the Old Testament. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's the story of Elisha. And there's a king that sends an army out to arrest Elisha. And uh, they surround the city where Elisha's at with horses and chariots. And Elisha's servant panics. Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that servant's looking out there and he says, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody here to stand with us. Elisha prays and says, Lord, I pray you open the eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's what we need to pray. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Only then can you see things as God sees them. Only then can you see them as they are. And not just the way they appear. Some years ago, a father and his four-year-old daughter are flying home from Houston, Texas. And the plane comes up on a very severe thunderstorm. And the pilot says, uh, lets everybody on board know we are fixing to climb a little higher to try to avoid this storm. And so they do. And when they're looking out the window, the father and the daughter they see a beautiful sight, a glorious rainbow. And not just stretching from one side to the other, it's like a circle. The little girl cries out, Daddy, Daddy, look, it's a rainbow. And we're seeing it from the same side that God sees it from. That's what we need to see. We need to see it from the same side that God sees it from. And when you do, verse 23 through 28 says, you will gain a clearer vision of God. Paul Anderson says, worship helps people see God in the midst of their troubled lives. This is where Asaph has been leading us the whole time. He's been leading us from blindness, the blindness of our unbelief to the glory of God. From doubting his goodness to worshiping his greatness. And suddenly we see God. And when we see him, what we see, first of all, is his presence. I have a friend of mine who put this on Twitter. He said, my three-year-old asked me to hold his hand while he fell asleep. And since I don't have a heart of ice, I'm laying on this floor with the blood and feeling drained out of my left arm. That brought back so many memories to me. I remember doing the same thing. I remember laying on the floor beside my son's bed. That was back when I could actually get back up off the floor. And I remember holding his hand until he was fast asleep. And something about me being there, something about his hand in mine made him feel safe. Asaph said, you and I need to understand that's how close our Father in heaven is to us. Verse 23, he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you 
you hold me by my right hand. Whatever trial, whatever trouble you go through, whatever injustice that you see in this world, God is always there to hold your hand. And through the eyes of faith, we can believe that he is always present. When we ask God to open our eyes, we will also see his guidance. His guidance. A missionary, American missionary, brought some African pastors over to the United States for a visit. And uh, while they were here, they wanted to go shopping. So the missionary said, listen, I'm giving you my phone. If you have any problems, call me. And I'll make sure you're taken care of. So it's not quite an hour later that one of the pastors calls him and he says, I am so lost. And he says, all right, lay the phone down, go to the street corner, come back and tell me what the two streets are at the corner and I'll come get you. What are the two streets that are at the corner? In a few minutes, the pastor returns to the phone and he reports, I'm at the corner of walk and don't walk. <laughs> Sometimes we need help finding our way, don't we? Asaph says of the Father, verse 24, You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Saying, God, you are going to lead me through every step. Every step of my life, I will guide you. He says, I, he will guide me with his counsel. He'll guide me with his word. And he will lead you not only through this life, he'll lead you all the way to glory. All the way to heaven. When you ask God to open your eyes, you not only see his presence and his guidance, you see his portion. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there's none upon earth that I, that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The word portion there is not talking about a few pennies. It's talking about inheritance. It's talking about a treasure chest. Asaph says, when you have God, you have everything you need. Whatever riches you have or don't have, you're rich if you have him. Think about it like this. If a billionaire has a young son, uh, that young son lives in the same house as his father, um, in reality, the billionaire has everything and the son has nothing. But the son is rich because the father is rich. By yourself, you have nothing, but in him, you have all you need and more. Philippians 4 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. C.S. Lewis once said, He who has God in many other things has no more than he who has God alone. It's the most important place where our vision needs correcting. We've got to see beyond ourselves. We've got to see beyond what, what's going on in this world. We need God to give us new eyes. 
Marcel Proust says the voyage of discovery is not seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. We need God to show us things from his perspective. We need him to heal our vision, that we can see his presence and his guidance and his portion. Minister speaking to a group of men, and he has a big piece of white post paper. And uh, he takes a, a marker and he puts a dot in the middle of the paper. And he holds it up for all these guys to see. And he said, uh, what do you, what, what do you see here? And uh, everybody's looking straight in. And says, well, I see a dot. I see a black dot. He said, what else do you see? And they scan it a little more and scan it a little more. I don't see anything else. Just a black dot. He said, that's really amazing. You see that black dot and you don't even notice the paper that it's written on. You don't notice the poster paper where the dot rests. How often do we see the dots and we miss the bigger picture? We feel, we stumble through life feeling alone and abandoned because we miss his presence. Our eyes are so focused on our chaos that we miss his guidance. We measure our lives by the wealth of this world and miss the riches of our inheritance in him. We need our Lord to correct our vision, to give us eyes to see everything as he sees it. One of our Lord's most spectacular miracles was giving sight to the blind. Uh, the one that really amazed people was when he gave sight to a man who was born blind. The man had never seen. And that opened a lot of people's eyes. Jesus uh, gave sight to blind people, not just for their sake, but to prove who he was. To prove he was the Savior, the Messiah. And yet there were some people who still refused to see he said something to them. I want to leave with you tonight. He says, For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. He says, Come to me and admit your blindness and ask me to open your eyes, and I'll work a miracle. I'll give you new eyes. Trust your own eyes. Look at the world through your faulty vision and you will be blind to God. His presence, His power, His blessings. You and I need to pray. Lord, I need you to correct my vision. Because if you don't get your vision corrected, you're going to be miserable. And you're going to be worried and fretful and, and this life is just going to look terrible to you. But if you can get his perspective, it will change everything. Would you bow your heads? Holy Spirit, I can't say it in any better way. Give us eyes to see. When we're here, sometimes it's, it's easier 
But when we walk out into the world, Lord, it gets hard. When we look around us at our job, we look around us at uh, the things going on in this world, the things going on in our nation. Lord, we, we get blinded. We get blinded by our problems and our pain. We get blinded by our worries and our fears. We look around the world and we see such injustice. And when we do, we can't see you. I want to pray, Lord, that you would give every one of us, me, every one of us here, a desire to pray. And to ask you to open our eyes and to correct our vision. I pray this in Jesus' name.